It's time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Ready? Now, from the WATH studios, here's Carl Blaylock. Hi, hello, 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 and welcome in to the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. It is Thursday, and as on every Thursday, we'll be going through the games. It's a high school football preview. I got a list of 22 games here, and we'll be going through them all. I say will because I'm joined by two of the most knowledgeable people in high school football in this area, Michael Roth and Cade Williamson. Fellas, how you doing? Doing good today. Uh, Thursday, picking a couple football games, uh, and also to mention college football week one starts tonight so very very big day i will say for football all around yeah it's starting to feel like fall september 1st you know got some big football games at the high school level this week start ohio bobcat football this saturday at home and some big time college football matchups across the country so good uh good time to be a sports fan i know tonight i am gonna have my eye entirely on that backyard brawl between pitt and west virginia but let's look ahead to Friday night, and the game we'll have on Power 105 is the Athens County Game of the Week. And it's two teams that have kind of struggled at the beginning of the season as Tremble will travel to Vinton County to take on the Vikings. Uh, what, what are you guys looking for in this game? Uh, honestly, Carl, it's a bunch of unknowns. Um, Tremble and Vinton County, two teams that started off 0-2. Uh, Tremble coach Phil Ferris was very intriguing when he talked about how he could see his team if they go two and three in their first five games he'd be very happy with that result because they have a tough out of conference schedule uh two tough teams out the gate lost in nelson new york week one and lost last week to river a, a tough matchup probably the second best team in uh division set in the in the region in division seven but and when you turn over and you flip the coin to vinton county vinton county two ball games where they could have easily um, either won or made it even a bit more competitive with that Unioto game week one. So not really the start that either of teams uh, these teams want, especially since Vinton County is trying to push for that TBC Ohio title against Nelsonville York. But it'll be a very interesting matchup. Uh, haven't really got too much word about the Vinton County Vikings so far this season. But looking at Trimble, you know, they run that power offense. They run a 4-4 defensive set. They're very uh, adamant on uh, stacking the box. With, with that defensive set, not scared to show what they're going to do, but they've been dealing with a couple injuries here and there, so I think it'll be a very interesting matchup for this game of the week. I think it'll be low scoring, I'll say that much. I think it'll be more of a, a defensive slugfest. Yeah, defensive slugfest, is that because the defenses are good or both of the offenses are still figuring stuff out? That's going to be the question that I want to know. You know, both these teams are pretty young Trimble kind of expected to start off the year a little slow, graduate a lot of seniors who made big impacts last season, and then also their harder schedule. It was expected that Tomcats were going to go through, through some growing pains. I think they get the victory um, in week three, though, over Vinton County. Um, the Vikings just, things don't seem to be going great for them right now. Losing uh, their week two game to Rock Hill is just a, a bad loss after Vin County made so much momentum last season under first-year head coach T.J. Carper. He's back for year two, and um, it's a bit of that sophomore slump, I guess, um, that you usually see in professional sports. Um, so, yeah, I think the Tomcats are going to get the victory as both these teams are very desperate for a win as you got to start thinking, you got to start getting those wins to rack up the playoff points if you want to qualify. So this is a... Great opportunity for Trimble to get a win over a team in a higher division than they are. Looking over on WATH here tomorrow night, we'll have Marietta traveling to Athens. What do you guys think about that game? Uh, honestly, two teams, a higher division uh, down here in southeastern Ohio. Athens has struggled so far this season defensively. Uh, they've given up 40-plus points in back-to-back -back weeks. Not really looking the best out the gate, but same thing for the Marietta Tigers. Uh, they've struggled in their first two matchups. Uh, I think Athens, a team that gen generally gets better as the season progresses, and they get into conference play. Um, they, they usually get better. That's the trend that the team has year after year. 
And uh, I think the Athens Bulldogs will get this one done. I do expect it to be close between them and Marietta, but I think Athens pulls it out and gets their first victory of the season. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that Athens has made some strides. Um, you know, this is a team that got shut out in their first two games last season, and they've been on the scoreboard both of the games this year. I think this one might be a high-scoring game um, compared to what you're going to be listening to on WXTQ. I just think that the Bulldogs' passing offense is going to find some success, and while I think Marietta is also going to put up some points, I think at the end, Athens is going to get their first victory of this season. Moving on to Nelsonville, York, who really got punched in the mouth uh, last week by Newark Catholic. They are taking on Liberty Union this week back home at Boston Field. What do you guys think about that game? Do you think the Buckeyes can rebound? Uh, personally, I, I don't see them winning this game. Uh, I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be a two-score game uh, when, it, when it wraps up between Liberty Union and Nelsonville, York. Um, but Nelsonville, York just showed that they... That, that, that they have some things to still figure out. Uh, last week, you're facing one of the better teams in Division 7, not just in Southeastern Ohio, in Division 7, period, in Newark Catholic. And like you said, got punched in the mouth. Uh, Mason Hackett went off for that game, just a hair under 100 yards on the ground. Um, but it exposed the holes that Nelsonville York needs to fix. Now, will I, do I think that they will continue to fix those holes? Yes, coming into this week. But Liberty Union's played two LCL opponents as well. Um, Heath, they were in a tight ball game with Heath. Heath, not the team they were last year, but still a solid team, probably uh, second in the LCL Cardinal Division when the year wraps up, in my opinion. But um, they looked good last week. Uh, first half was a little sluggish against uh, a Lakewood team that's been struggling to get their first win in the past two years, uh, or a year and a half, rather. But still, um, Liberty Union's been competitive in their first, in their first game against Heath, a, a tough loss uh, there at Heath. But I think they'll bounce back. Uh, they bounced back last week, and I think they'll continue a little bit of momentum, momentum and get a two-score victory over Nelsonville York. I think this one's going to be a little closer than you think, Cade. I just think Nelsonville York, um, they, they got punched in the mouth and didn't really know how to handle that last Friday night against a great Newark Catholic team. I, I think this is a pretty capable squad. Um, Liberty Union with the one-point loss to Heath to open up their year. Uh, I think this is going to be a competitive game. I think Liberty Union wins in a tight one, but I wouldn't be too stunned if the Buckeyes came away with the victory. So lean Liberty Union, um, but definitely think it's going to be a very competitive game on Friday night. Moving on to Alexander as they will host Belpre, who is 0-2. I think they gave up. How many, how many points did they give up? It was they lost 50 nothing last week to Megs. I, I, th I thought it was more. I can't. I can't remember off the top of my head right now. I knew it was a lot of a lot of points in that ball game. I think they've been outscored like seventy to nothing in the first quarter combined in the two games. I think it was like thirty-four nothing one week and thirty-six or twenty-eight nothing the next week. So it's uh, it's not going great for the Golden Eagles. Yeah, and and it didn't really go well for Alexander last week either. A, a game where we thought that they might have a chance to. Start off 2-0 against the South Point squad uh, that just come, came out and was offensively firing on all cylinders. Now, that game was in a bit of a weather delay to start off, but it eventually got going. Uh, I do think Alexander will bounce back this week, and they'll need to because their Week 4 matchup against Athens is a tough one uh, when you look at it on the schedule. So maybe a little bit of momentum going into that game, but I think they'll get the victory over Belpre. I also think that the Spartans will advance to 2-1. Megs is was Belfry's opponent last week. They're taking on a Colgrove team that I'm really high on. I really think highly of this Colgrove team. I think they might I think they might have the opportunity to host two home games this year. Uh, are you guys as high on Colgrove and you think they get it done against the Marauders this week? Uh, I will say I think they get it done against the Marauders. I don't know how high I am on Colgrove yet. Uh, the Hornets, it's uh, still early in the season. Uh, they still haven't gotten any OBC play. They've got a tough conference in the OBC all around. Um, the two top teams are battling out this week, so we'll see which one is really going to be the top dog uh, heading into the rest of the season. But I, I think they could compete maybe for a third or fourth spot. Uh, worst comes to worst, you know, you're sitting fifth or sixth in the conference. But, I mean, it's a tough conference to compete in the OVC. Um, but I, I do think they do uh, get a victory over Megs this week and improve to 3-0 in the season. 
Jagged Cold Grove as well. It'll be interesting because that Gallia Academy game is probably what's going to be the difference between them being like a three or four seed and them being maybe a six or a seven seed because uh, right now on paper, definite huge underdogs to Ironton and also probably underdogs to Fairland as well. If they could steal that Fairland game, yeah, they're probably almost a lock to be a top four seed. Um, I think down the line they probably won't get that one, but if they can get the Gallia Academy game, uh, a team that uh, fans heard against Athens last Friday night, then Colgrove would be in really good position to get one of those top four seeds. So, yeah, I think they win pretty comfortably. We'll talk about that. Ironton and Fairland, that's a huge OBC game. We'll get to that later in the show. But for now, Minford is taking on Wellston. Wellston uh, Wellston's head football coach, Carl Justice, stepped down uh, last week. Do you think Wellston will be able to turn it around now? Um... Judging by what you're hearing out of the Wellston camp, uh, it doesn't seem like they're on a good trajectory. Um, they lost a lot of talent in the offseason via transfers to both Jackson and Vinton County. Uh, like you just said, they didn't really have, they haven't had a bunch of coaching stability either with Carl Justice stepping down. Uh, and, and Minford's a, a, not, not, a, not a terrible opponent to face uh, at all um, if you're Wellston, but judging just by the way they've looked in the first two weeks, I, I see the Golden Rockets of Wilson dropping to 0-3 uh, on the season and Minford taking this one. Yeah, Minford's a bit of a, a sleeper team so far this year. Had some pretty solid success. I think they uh, get it done against a Wellston squad really searching for answers heading into TVC Ohio play very soon. Uh, the last TVC Ohio game we'll talk about, and the last one that's on the schedule, South Point, after their defeat of Alexander, they're looking to beat another TVC Ohio opponent in River Valley. Yeah, this is a very interesting matchup. I'll, I'll say that much. Uh, River Valley, personally, uh, from the way they've started, they had a decent ball game against Eastern, uh, only lost by, I believe, 21-6 was the final score to that one. They got a victory um, last weekend, did River Valley, uh, heading, in, or heading into week three now against South Point. South Point put up a lot of uh, points offensively against Alexander last week. But I think River Valley is a team that could sit comfortably in that 2-4 to four range, really the second tier of the TVC Ohio this year. Um, and I think they can get it done over South Point. Uh, I'm going to take South Point. I do think home field advantage matters for this one. I think that South Point was at a big advantage against Alexander because that's a pretty far trip. I think this one's going to be tighter than South Point's victory over Alexander, but I'm still going to lean South Point to get the victory in this one. All right, moving on to the TBC Hawking, and this is a game that uh, really intrigues me, Waterford against Shenandoah. Yeah, this is uh, a bit interesting, I will say, especially with Shenandoah's, uh, what, what looked like it was going to be possible issues at, at, at coaching. Um, they had their head coach step down in the middle of the week last week, around this time uh, last week. Uh, and personally, I thought the shady side was going to get the victory over Shenandoah, but they came out on firing on all cylinders. Um, Waterford's a team that uh, seems like they might have a, a not not exactly a down year uh, when it comes to conference play, but maybe out of conference play. I mean, they only beat Crooksville by two scores in that ball game, and Crooksville is is one of the uh, bottom tier uh, NVL teams overall this season, whether it be the big school or the small school division. So I, I think the Zeps get it done and uh, are the green team that gets the victory over Waterford. Yeah, I also think Shenandoah is going to be 3-0. and oh, They just got an impressive passing attack led by a freshman quarterback. Not sure if Waterford is going to be able to keep up offensively. To another green team in the TBC hockey, Eastern is taking on Fairfield Christian. Eastern might be the sleeper team in the TBC hockey. Yeah, we've talked about it a lot. Uh, it's kind of been the team that's getting all the talk in the hawking of maybe uh, uh, making a run for the TBC Hawking title. Um, and in and D7 uh, in the region, I, I think that they have an outside shot to maybe host two home games. Maybe, and it might not even be an outside shot uh, overall. I mean, you've got Newark Catholic there, you've got River, and, and Eastern's toward the top right now of the current rankings by Joe Itell. Uh, but still, um, they're facing a Fairfield Christian opponent that started off the season 0-2. Uh, not exactly the best start. Uh, for the Knights there in the Lancaster area. So I, I think Eastern gets another victory, and I think that they start off their season 3-0. and um, Yeah, I also think that 
the Eastern Eagles will remain the only unbeaten team in the TVC, so I think they get another victory this Friday night. Miller is taking on Southern tonight, or tomorrow night. What do you guys think about that game? Do you think Southern can turn it around and get their first win of the season? Uh, personally, I see Miller winning this one. Uh, I think it'll be a very interesting game, a very competitive game with that uh, between the Tornadoes and, and the Falcons of Miller, but I don't know. This one's kind of a stumper overall when I look at it, but I think that Miller will be the team that, that uh, pulls it out. Yeah, no love lost between these two former conference rivals. Um, I wonder which team will be rocking the purple unis. Um, I'm going to take the Miller Falcons to fly through the tornado and get the victory. And the last TVC game. Uh, South Gallia traveling to Scioteville East. What do you guys think about that game? Um, it'll be an interesting game. Uh, South Gallia came out the gate and didn't look too bad in their week one matchup. Uh, not bad at all whatsoever. But uh, when you look when you look at uh, Scioteville East, uh, a, a, a decent ball club, uh, kind of toward the 500 range possibly this year. They were around that, I believe, last year, maybe a little bit under. But I, I think they get the victory over South Gallia here in this Week 3 matchup. Um, South Gallia, like I said, looked decent in that Week 1 game, kind of struggled last week on a game, I believe, against River Valley. So, yeah, they're still trying to find that first win of the season, and I, I don't think they'll get it in Week 3. I think Sayadaville East will take it. Yeah, dude, too. Scioteville East, 100 points in their first two weeks. I think that South Gallia can put some points on the board as well. They've scored 21 and 14 through two weeks. And last week, going up against a D5 squad in River Valley, only losing 34 to 14, that's a solid effort. I think that Scioteville East gets the win, but uh, it could be a pretty exciting game against uh, these two programs really looking to build from the ground up. We shall see. We've gone through the TBC games when we come back. We'll look at other games around the region, including some big re Division 7, Region 23 games and some other games of note from around the Athens County area. You're listening to The Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. This Friday, your Athens Game of the Week features the Athens Bulldogs home opener at Joe Burrow Stadium against the Marietta Tigers. Can the Bulldogs pick up win number one on the season against a team that defeated them a year ago? Find out this Friday. Join Cedric Granger and Matt Frazee on the call. Pre-game coverage starts at 645 on 970 WATH. Are you an enthusiastic sports fan? Want to have fun and get in on the action? Heck yes, that'd be awesome. Have great attention to detail? Want to stay active? Definitely. Want to give back to the student-athletes in your community? Obviously, yes! Then you'd make an excellent high school sports official. We need more officials in Ohio. Because with no high school officials, there are no high school sports. Sign up today at highschoolofficials.com. This is the Sports Fan on 970 WATH. A lot of these teams, and one team that certainly has high hopes for the year, are the Fort Pry Cadets. My goodness, if they look good. They, uh, they defeated a D3 John Glenn school week one. This week, they're taking on a D2 Zanesville school. Do you think that the Cadets can get it done? Roth. I do. I think this will be probably their most competitive game throughout the rest of the regular season. Um, Fort Bride just seems like they're going to be a tough team to beat. I think that the Cadets get it done, um, but should be interesting just when you go up in uh, division level like Fort Fry is um, in this game. Yeah, I think I'm going to also take Fort Fry in this ball game. Uh, like Roth said, I think this will also, we had a little bit of discussions earlier in the week of, what other game would be competitive for Fort Fry? And I think this one will be the most competitive out of their remaining games on their schedule, which is not a knock on Zanesville whatsoever. I mean, a team that finished second in the LCL Buckeye last year behind a Granville team that went undefeated and I believe went all the way to the uh, regional final game, if I'm not mistaken, on uh, that one. So, uh, you know, and Zanesville had a bit of a down year this year. They lost a lot of talent last year, most of their offensive production. 
Uh, but I think the way that Fort Fry's looked in the first two weeks, they've just been rolling, and I think they will continue to roll to a 3 no start. Looking at another game in Division Six, Region 23, way up the river. Th this one, this is a team that's really surprised me. Martin's Ferry has looked very good so far this year. They're taking on Union Local. What do you think of Martin's Ferry? Do you think they can get the job done and go to 3-0? and uh, I don't, actually. I'm going to take Union Local. Uh, both of these teams are 2-0, and which is pretty impressive, but... Uh, none of them have really beaten anybody of relevance. I know Shady Side was good last year, but it seems like it's going to be a down year for them. So uh, I'll take Union Local, but good story for whatever program can turn to three and zero. Yeah, I, I, I think this, I think this one will be a pretty decent, decent one. Uh, not not a bad matchup overall when you really preview it. Uh, but I think Union Local will be the team that gets it done on this one over Martin's Ferry. Martin's Ferry, uh, an interesting story. I will say this year, and we'll see how they continue to progress uh, this season, possibly maybe host, hosting a playoff game when it comes that time. But we'll see. Uh, but I do think they dropped this one to Union Local. East Knox, another big team in Region 23. They lost last week, and they have another tough opponent this week as they take on Colonel Crawford up from Northwest Ohio. Roth, what do you think about this one? Uh, I think Colonel Crawford big. This is a very tough opponent for East Knox to play. Got shut out by Ashland Crestview last week, and I think Colonel Crawford's almost as good as they are. It's just East Knox scheduling up opponents, so they're ready for the playoffs, but I think they're going to take some lumps like they already did last week, so give me Colonel Crawford. And I'm going to agree with you right there, uh, Roth, on that one. I think Colonel Crawford takes the victory over East Knox, a team that uh, they're very interesting to see how they'll do as the season goes on because uh, the way that we're predicting it is they'll start out one and two and their only win was really a 13 point victory against a Northridge team that uh, hasn't looked as impressive as I thought they would be this season uh, but we'll see how the Bulldogs uh, you know how, how they progress as the year goes that, that's just how teams are and like Roth said you're scheduling up trying to get ready for the playoffs Looking at a team a little bit closer than East Knox Burn Union taking on Bishop Rosencrantz you think the Rockets roll? I do. I, I think that Burn Union really found something in a solid Week 2 victory, so give me Burn. And I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you there, Roth. I think the Burn Union, uh, they kind of found what they needed to last week, a, t a tough Week 1 matchup against Cold Grove. They got the victory, though, against Portsmouth Notre Dame last week. Um, uh, and Rosecrans isn't exactly the best opponent uh, to play overall if you're Burn Union. So I, I think they'll get a victory, and I think they'll improve to 2-1 and this season. I won't ask for you guys' opinion on this game, but th this game's a very interesting scheduling, in my opinion. Bel Air, on their normal Saturday game, they're taking on a Canadian team, Bishop Tonus, out of Ontario. It's all the way up by Hamilton. I looked it up. It's a six-hour drive. It's a Canadian football team. Have you ever seen anything like this before? Uh, so, uh, a couple of the Canadian teams play some of the Cleveland teams. Um, it's not too rare, but, yeah, I mean, they're going to need to get a uh, hotel somewhere around the Bel Air, Bel Air area, so that'll be a little interesting. I, uh, I personally never had to stay in a hotel before a high school sporting event, so, yeah. Certainly is an interesting game. Moving on to the last game we got out of Division Six, Region 23, Riverview takes on Crooksville. Um, I am going to take Riverview, but another home game in Crooksville's new stadium. Uh, hope they can find a victory this year. Don't think it comes this week, though. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there, Roth. Uh, Riverview's had two tough opponents. Uh, this is another 0-2 versus 0-2 matchup this week um, out of uh, an NBL team. And then I believe, yeah, Riverview's also in the NBL since they did the realignment. But... I don't think Crooksville gets the win. I think the home crowd will definitely be a factor, uh, but I think Riverview takes this one. And now here, we talked a little bit about this uh, earlier in the show, a huge OVC matchup down in Proctorville this week. Tremble plays this Fairland Dragons team this week, but I'm sure they're not looking at all at Tremble. They're looking at the Ironton Fighting Tigers, the team that denied them the OVC title last year by just, I believe, one point in overtime. So what do you think of this game. Do you think that the Dragons could pull it off? 
Uh, no, I do not. I think that Ironson is going to roll in this one. Fairland lost some key production from last year. I know they're not going to back down against a team like Ironson, especially at home. Um, it'll be interesting because uh, last year, Coach Melvin Cunningham got COVID at uh, like 1 p.m. Um, the day of the Ironton game last year. Uh, his assistant coaches thought um, that they were like being pranked when he's like, yeah, I'm not going to be at the game tonight. Or they, he said that he, he wasn't going to ride the bus. And the coaches were like, all right, he's going to be in the stadium. And then he was in the stadium. And then they were like, oh, we're going to coach. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that was just something that I'm not sure everybody knows about from last year's game. But, yeah, I think Ironton gets the, gets the win here, but uh, just really like what Fairland has been building. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you here, Roth. I think the Fighting Tigers do beat the Fairland Dragons um, this weekend. Uh, but Fairland, they're sitting at that two position uh, in the OVC this year. Not, not bad position to be, uh, especially since... They might have a chance to bounce back next week against the Trimble team that's trying to find their identity. But, you know, Ironson, they've got two really good wins in weeks one and two uh, versus Wheelersburg week one. And then last week they uh, beat Jackson late in a ball game, won that one by three points. So I think they'll start off 3-0 and uh, for Ironson. So we'll see how good that Ironson team will really be this year. Um, but they're shaping up to have another dominant run in the OBC. Looking at an MBL team now, the new Lexington Panthers, they, they, really, they really have impressed so far this year, but they really have a measuring stick game this week against John Glenn. Yeah, I think the Little Muskies get the victory in this one. I think it's going to be pretty competitive, um, but I think that John Glenn's just going to control the line of scrimmage, which will be the difference. I'm going to go against you on this one, Roth. I think new Lexington's going to uh, get this victory. John Glenn's offense has looked not the best in weeks one and two, while New Lexington has been firing on, on all cylinders on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, they've been moving the ball well. I saw their scrimmage against Nelsonville, York, uh, uh, one week before week one of the season. So, and, and even in that scrimmage, they were moving the ball very efficiently uh, in that one, plus the game's at New Lexington. So that, that'll be a bit of a factor. I know their stadium's almost in a bit of a valley, almost a pit. Uh, is how it is there for the new Lexington Panthers. But I think that they will, I think it'll be competitive, but I think they get, they'll get the job done over John Glenn. Looking at a Warren team, Warren's going to be hopping across over to West Virginia. They're going to take on the Williamson Town Hornets. And my goodness, Williamson Town really beat up on Waterford last week. Do you think they'll do the same over Warren this week? I do. I think Waterford, uh, they've been better than Warren, um, like, historically, except for uh, Warren's really big 2020 campaign. So I think Williamstown rolls. Yeah, I think I'm going to take Williamstown on this one uh, as well. It's a tough opponent for Warren, especially coming off of a loss uh, last week against Morgan in a ball game where no points were scored in the second half. So I think Williamstown will take it. They got the victory over Waterford last week. We'll see how they continue to go. Going up 33 to Logan, they take on Sheridan this week. Do you think that the Chieftains can actually knock off Sheridan? No. I have the Generals winning this one. Just successful program culture that Paul Culver III has built. Um, yeah, Sheridan might be a little down this year, but still think it's plenty enough to get the win over Logan. And I'm going to agree uh, with that there, Roth, I think Sheridan gets the job done. They had a tough loss last week, a big win in week one um, over Licking Valley, and then another LCL opponent last week in Watkins Memorial, and they lost that one by three points, uh, which was a bit of a shock. But uh, I think they will rebound. I think they'll get a victory over Logan and start to progress as it gets into NVL uh, conference territory. And finally, really interesting game as uh, another MVL team, Tri-Valley, will take on Jackson. Yeah, this is a pretty solid game. You know, Tri-Valley uh, could be the MVL favorites, uh, but I'm going to take the FAC favorites in the Jackson Ironmen. Um, this game got scheduled at, like, the last minute last year. was uh was a really uh, dominant performance by Jackson. I think that they get the job done again this year, but I think it's uh, a little closer than it was last year. I think it was like 24 to 3 last year. I think maybe uh, it's Jackson by 7 to 14 points. 
Yeah, I, I think that's a good prediction right there for that game, Roth. Um, Jackson, they had, a, they had a great battle last week um, against Ironton and unfortunately couldn't take that one. They were up 26-21 late in the ballgame. Ironton eventually scored uh, with a little bit over a minute left in the ballgame, got the two-point conversion, ended up winning by three in that one. And Jackson's got another tough opponent next week. Uh, Western Brown, uh, not one to look at lightly at all. Um, but they got to focus on this week's matchup. It's against a tough Tri-Valley team, but I think that Jackson gets the job done. Um, and, and I'm interested to see how Jackson will look uh, this season come playoff time because they, they might be a team to keep your eyes on to make a decent run. Well, I certainly cannot wait for tomorrow night. It'll be about this time tomorrow night. We'll come on the air with our two games over on Power 105, the Athens County Game of the Week, Trimble versus Vinton County. And over here on WATH, Marietta versus Athens. We come back here on the Sportsman. We'll talk about the huge trade the Cleveland Cavaliers have just sprung. We'll talk about that after the break here. You're listening to the Sportsman on WATH. Tune in Friday night for the Athens County Game of the Week on Power 105. This week, two teams that have gotten the season started on the wrong foot will try to rebound and gain their first win of the season as Trimble travels to MacArthur to take on the Vinton County Vikings. Join Carl and Kate on the coverage with pregame starting at 6.30. Trimble, Vinton County, it's the Athens County Game of the Week, Friday on Power 105. Have you heard of Project Rise? Are you a parent in Athens, Meigs, Perry, or Vinton counties? We provide internships, job shadowing, work study, transition planning, and graduation coaching. All students and parents have free access to these resources. For more information, please find us on Facebook at AMESC Project Rise. There are numerous free events and resources that you need to know about. Act now. Project Rise will help you with your future after high school. Follow us on Facebook at AMESC Project Rise. Now, for more of the sports fan on 970 WATH. It's the Sports Fan, presented by JNK Contracting here on WATH. Carl Blaylock, Kate Williamson, Michael Roth all joining you in the studio. And looking at, we're looking at football scores a little bit, but first we got to talk about a huge NBA move by the Cleveland Cavaliers. They have traded for the Spider. Donovan Mitchell is now a Cav. Uh, looking at the trade they got back, Larry Markinen is heading back. I think it's also a sign-and-trade uh, as well. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Sign-and-trade for yeah, Colin Sexton. Colin Sexton, that's who it was as well. Five picks also, as well as Ochai Abajogi as well. Ochai Agbaji. Abaji. I Phonics has never been a strength for me. Uh, Roth, you're a resident Cavs fan here. Do you like the trade? Yeah, you know, this is a trade. Well, it's not the only trade the Cavs could have made, but the Cavs needed to make a move to go from uh, a team that was competing for the playoffs. You know, last year they were the eighth seed and then lost in the playing game. I think this year it was realistic to expect them to be somewhere between the sixth seed and the tenth seed, trying to avoid the play-in before this trade. And this trade really helps you elevate, try and get into that home court advantage round one area of the Eastern Conference. Donovan Mitchell is a very talented scorer, has put up um, really impressive playoff scoring numbers, and he's going to really help a Cavs team that has a lot of rim protection with Jarrett Allen and Evan Mobley. It's also a Cavs squad that has four players, all 25 years old or younger, who are definite top 50 players in the NBA. When you look at Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen. So Cavs building for the future. The picks that they gave up, they might come back to bite you in like 2028 or 2029, but that's the price that you have to pay if you want to elevate yourself from one tier to the next in the NBA. Um, so, yeah, might, uh, 2029 might not be a great year for the Cavs, but, man, am I excited for the next couple seasons of basketball in Cleveland as long as uh, they can stay healthier than they were last year because the Cavs were uh, one of the top seeds in the Eastern Conference, and then uh, they just kept having players go down time after time and just could not 
hold on to one of those top six seeds and lost in the playing round. So exciting time to be a basketball fan in Cleveland. I mean, looking at that trade, the one the one stat I saw about this trade, which is insane, is this gives the Cavs three All Stars who are below the age of 25, and that's not including rookie star last year, Evan Mobley. Yeah, uh, when you look at those top four guys, it, guys, it's interesting because the Cavs got uh, a bunch of really solid pieces, but I think I think Evan Mobley is going to have to be the guy who develops for them to be a championship-quality team. You know, you pretty much always need, unless you're the Detroit Pistons from 2004, you pretty much always need a top, like, eight player in the NBA if you're going to win a title. And I think the Cavs' best bet is having Mobley become that. Um, so unless the Cavs are outlier champion like the Pistons were, I think the best route for this team to become a championship squad is with Evan Mobley continuing to develop, which is very possible. But uh, Donovan Mitchell is just going to take a lot of scoring weight off of Darius Garland's shoulders. And I, I think that the pair are going to really work offensively because uh, both are pretty solid passers. I think that's something that's a little underrated with Donovan's game. Uh, it's just going to be... Uh, was Donovan actually just not very motivated to play defense by the end of Utah? Was he just, like, kind of fed up with living there, playing with Rudy Gobert after all the COVID drama that they had? Um, Gobert, a great player, but sometimes you're not going to mesh with everybody in the locker room, and it definitely seemed like Gobert and Mitchell had a fiery relationship where they had to be separated. Jazz decided instead of separating one, and staying competitive, they separate both and go into a very fast rebuild. That was Danny Ainge's uh, plan of attack, have the Jazz be competitive five, six, seven years down the line. Um, so hopefully hopefully Mitchell is a better defender than what we saw in the playoffs uh, this spring. I know that's something that uh, really surprised me looking at, uh, and I honestly forgot Danny Ainge went to the Utah Jazz until today when he sprung this trade. I mean, to me, this is another Danny Ainge masterclass of an offseason to where he's able to unload some of these players and get a lot of picks, albeit he's looking a little bit like Sam Presti at the moment, more than his normal Danny Ainge self. But still, I mean, especially if this doesn't work out for the Cavs, and albeit this isn't the same trades he made in, with Boston. This isn't the Kevin Garnett, uh, Ray Allen, and... Paul Pierce deal to Brooklyn. This isn't that deal to where they got those, what? They were a competitive team, and they were getting, like, a top three pick the last, like, you know, for a stretch between, like, 2016 and 2019. I mean, they took Jason Tatum, which they traded down from a number one pick for him, even though I'm not a Sixers fan anymore. I'm still salty about that. But it's not quite a deal like that. But still, this is a really good deal and a really good offseason, I think, from Danny Ainge. Yeah, I mean, it's always going to be popular when you kind of mortgage the present to go to the future. Um, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Um, it's a lot easier to build a winner in the NBA if you know you're going to be bad for three years because the NBA encourages you to be bad and they'll give you chances to get top picks. So, um, yeah, it, it was just a Utah situation that they maxed out their ceiling, the one chance that they really had of making it far. They lost to the Clippers, who were without Kawhi Leonard, and that was that was the Jazz's shot to make it to the NBA Finals, and they just um, they, they couldn't defend, like, I think it was Reggie Jackson who went crazy that series, and ever since the Jazz lost that series, it, uh, they just kind of capped their ceiling, and it was time to, time to blow it up. I, I, would, I would argue it was even before that. I would argue it was the... Um 2020 year in the bubble when they lost to the Nuggets. Uh, I mean, they were the number one seed in the Western Conference the the year later when and they had the Clippers. Uh, I think they were up like two nothing or two one on the Clippers. They were about to go to the Western Conference Finals. They were going to play a Phoenix squad and have home court advantage if they were able to hold on to that. I mean, that was. I mean, Jazz fans thought they had a shot to win the title that year. Like you don't you don't be the number one seed in the Western Conference by accident. So. Um, yeah, this year they were like the five seed, um, maybe even six. Depend. No, I think they were the five seed. Um, and yeah, it was it was just obvious that they weren't winning a title with that core, um, and it was time to blow it up. But yeah, I mean, it, it's not bad business by Danny Ainge, 
but it is just always just a little too popular when you blow it up and rebuild because when you're a fan of those teams, there's there's just not much reason. Like, there's no reason to watch the Utah Jazz next year. Like, even the diehard Jazz fans are going to be turning them off a lot because, like, until they get their 2023 draft selections, like, there's no young player on the roster. that I'm like, man, I can't wait to see him play on the Jazz. Like, they might be the least watchable team in the league this season. We'll see. Uh, well, talking about least watchable stuff, I think, uh, I don't know, if you guys, are you guys both following that Sickos committee on Twitter, the college football watchers who are watching, you know, whatever games they can find? So I've seen it. Um, occasionally, like, somebody I know will retweet them onto uh, my timeline, but I don't, like, follow their content. Not a, that's the first time I've ever really heard of that. Carl, I'm not going to lie with you. I'm going to have to send you some of those tweets. Uh, anyways, I know a game that they're watching right now. San Fran- St. Francis, Pennsylvania is taking on Akron. And unfortunately for the Zips, early in the second quarter, they've given up a touchdown to the Red Flash and the Red Flash lead 10-3 to over the Akron Zips. Hey, maybe Ohio's not going to be the team that's going to lose to an FCS school this year. Uh, maybe. Hey, hey now, Carl. <laughs> Hey, we can hope. Hey, I, we was, can at, hope. I was at Peden that day, that, that Duquesne that Duquesne game, and it was not fun. It was you a one-hit wonder. First yeah. and last, okay? Yes. First and last time yes. OU has lost to FCS opponent. Maybe. You know you know, I remember that game. <laughs> I'll knock on wood anyways. Uh, when we come back, though, we'll talk a little bit more about some of these college football games, including the backyard brawl happening over in Pittsburgh tonight, and give our surefire hot picks, which I'm sure will include bunch of these college football games it's the sports fan presented by jnk contracting stay informed about the stock market from goldberry wealth strategies weekdays at 5 30 on 970 97.1 fm wath the report follows the news raymond james financial services inc member finra sipc goldberry wealth strategies is not a broker dealer and is independent of rjfs as we head into fall come to a work of heart in grand central mall we have just what you need to decorate your home inside and out We have new porch sitter signs and fall and winter flags to beautify your porch and yard. We offer fall and winter wreaths that have signs that can be personalized with names or sayings. We also have two laser engravers with hundreds of signs and gifts that can be personalized with names and dates to make some of the most unique gifts you will find for that special someone. We offer a great selection of greeting cards and our box Christmas cards are now 20% off. Our jar candles, sprays, tarts, and car air fresheners are some of the greatest scents you will find. Butter maple syrup is one of the most popular scents in the nation. And we have a great selection made right here in Ohio. Come see us today at a work of heart, Grand Central Mall, Vienna, West Virginia. Find us on Facebook or visit us at a work of heart.biz. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. This is the Sports Fan on 970 WATH. We've waited all year for it, and it's finally here. Week one of the college football season. We had week zero. We had that Northwestern-Nebraska game, which was uh, a football game. (laughs) Scott Frost, uh, how does he still have his job? Because uh, I died. I don't know. I don't know, to be completely honest with you, because in Nebraska year after year, I personally have expectations for them, and I think they can make a decent run, maybe win the Big Ten West one of the years that Scott Frost was there, and they just can't ever pull it out. And this year looks like it's just going to be another year of the same sad song. Yeah, so I, I was never really a Nebraska under Scott Frost guy, but then this year I kind of bought in, not looking great. Um, so I'm not going to act like I'm the smartest man in the world for never believing them because it seems like they might have tricked me this year. But I was, I was the guy being like, I know they've been bad, but I think this might be their year. Um, yeah, after that Northwestern loss, looks like the defense just isn't quite good enough because if you make 
Northwestern's pack, passing attack look good. Either it's going to be a weird year where Northwestern's good or your defense is really awful. Nebraska better hope it's a weird year that Northwestern's good. It, it is an even year, though. No, yeah. Northwestern's normally really good, even year Northwestern. Yeah, it is weird because, though, well, that's how Northwestern's really been the past almost like six, seven years, where it seems like those even years they're either winning the Big Ten West. I mean, think, uh, in 18 they faced Ohio State and the uh, Big Ten Championship, and they lost that ball game in 2020. They faced Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. They lost that ball. Game. That was a very good game, though. Uh, it it de- depends on how you define very good football game. Okay, um, it was a close game. It was a close. Uh, it game. was a close game. It was a close game because Ohio State could not pass the ball at all. And then and they, they said, "Oh, well, we'll just run the ball with Trey Sermon, and he'll break the rushing record." So that's where Ryan Day needs to be a little less predictable, in my opinion. All righty, looking at a few games of interest tonight. We'll start out with the big one, the Backyard Brawl, back for the first time in, what, 11 years? I This is a game I've had circled on my calendar. I love Western Virginia's uniforms in this. I mean, I, I like the love the these rivalries. I was going to say, I, I like the outline in the state uh, for West Virginia's uniforms. And also, uh, Heaton Slovis uh, playing into it a little bit. Um, I don't know if you saw the video of him, um, but West Virginia's had that video of Slovis playing nonstop in their locker room since he said that. So there's a little extra chip on the shoulder for West Virginia. I will say that much. Yeah, both um, both quarterbacks, former USC boys, so it's kind of funny seeing the West Coast guys take it to a bit of uh, Appalachia-style uh, game, former Big East rivals. Uh, talking about a chip on their shoulders, how about the Chippewas? They're traveling to Stillwater to take on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. You guys remember what happened the last time they played in Stillwater? Uh, it should have been a game where Oklahoma State won because he was down at the half-yard line. That's what it was. Uh, but instead, it was a touchdown for Central Michigan. They won on that little uh, hook and ladder. Uh, they beat Oklahoma State. But if you go and you look back at it, in my opinion, I think the guy's down at the I, I don't think. I don't line. think it was down. I didn't think that was a controversy on that one. I thought the controversy on that one was... Uh, they had like a like a false start or an intentional grounding penalty on fourth down that was gave Central Michigan an untimed down, and they took advantage of it. Yeah, one of the weirder endings uh, in, in the last decade of college football. I think uh, I think the game will be competitive just because Oklahoma State doesn't really have the offense to blow out teams like that, um, and Central Michigan has usually solid defense, but. Um, I don't think we're getting any of uh, that sort of madness this yeah, time. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, looking at the Big Ten game tonight, Penn State taking on Purdue. Do you think the Boilermakers can pull it down, or does Sean Clifford have a bounce-back year? Um, I will answer both of those questions. No, I do not per- think Purdue will win the ball game. I No, I don't think that Sean Clifford will have a back, uh, bounce-back year, um, just because it, it's Penn State. Um, and they, they've been consistently, under James Franklin, competitive, but they can't ever pull, pull it out. Uh, the one year that they did pull it out and they won the Big Ten Championship, they ended up not even making the college football playoff. Now, should they have? Yes, I believe they should have. Uh, they should have gotten over Washington that year. But when you look at Penn State and you look how they are, personally, I'm not a big Sean Clifford guy. Uh, I'm not at all. Uh, I've never been big on any quarterback uh, from Penn State in the past ten years. Hackenberg self-explanatory. Trace McSorley, I mean, not not bad at all. But Throw I feel it like, on a dime. Yeah, let's not. Let's not. <laughs> but, um, but when you look at most of those teams, who's carried the offense? It's been their tight end play, and it's been a couple good wide receivers. Now, granted, they still have Washington on a wide receiver, but, you know, you lose Jahan Dotson. Uh, the running back area is still a question mark. They lost their defensive coordinator. Now Manny Diaz is their defensive coordinator this year. So a lot of question marks for this Penn State squad, but I think they get it done over Purdue because I just think Purdue lost too much talent. Uh, David Bell, wide receiver last year, that was much of their offense whenever they had those spoiler-maker games. He's gone. George Karloftis, the guy that really held down that defense as an edge rusher, he's gone. Those are two big guys you're losing if you're Purdue. Uh, But I do think that the uh, energy in West Lafayette will be electric. I mean, you've got Gus and Joel on that game for Fox tonight, so it'll be very interesting. But I do think that Purdue drops this one. I think it'll be tight, but I think Penn State barely pulls it out. That's that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I think that Penn State is one of the best unranked teams. I think they end the year ranked, but this is certainly a game that they could lose. Um, would lean the Nittany Lions, but you don't want to be playing at Purdue midweek. 
I, I'm on the Aiden O'Connell hype train, produced quarterback. Choo-choo, Boilermakers win. Let's go to our surefire hot picks, and I'll start off with mine. There is a MAC team playing tonight, another one aside from Akron, who has just scored a touchdown, it looks like. They're, it's now 10-9. to 9. Uh, Ball State plays at Tennessee tonight. The line, Tennessee is favored by 35-and-a-half. Tennessee never covers against MAC teams. They never do. They might against Akron later on in a few weeks. But I think Ball State, they don't win this game, but you take Ball State with the points. Ball State keeps it within 35 and a half points. That's my call. Cade, over to you. What do you think? Um, my pick tonight, I'm going to go backyard brawl. I'm feeling it. Uh, I think West Virginia will not only cover, but they will win the ball game tonight. I'm confident in that pick. Uh, like I said, there's a little bit of a chip on the shoulder for the West Virginia squad. Uh, it's the return of the backyard brawl, and I don't know. Maybe they're trying to get revenge for that 07 season. Not exactly thinking that's on the top of their minds, but still. Uh, I think that West Virginia not only covers, but gets it done tonight. Are, are you taking the points still? Uh, yes, yes. I You'll will still take, take uh, the points? Uh, so, yes. And uh, my pick is one that will make the Sickos committee very happy. It is Eastern Illinois plus 35 at Northern Illinois. I don't think Northern Illinois should be favored by five touchdowns in this game. Uh, they were really lucky last year to be as good as they were. Won a lot of like crazy one-score games. And also, uh, usually when you look at ESPN, if a team is a 35-plus point favorite, usually the underdog only has like a 1% or 2% chance to win. Eastern Illinois is at 3.8% chance to win this game. Compare that. Wake Forest, 31.5-point favorites. VMI is only 0.4% chance to win. So I think I'm getting a lot of value getting 35 points uh, with Eastern Illinois in this one. So that is my pick tonight. All righty, and I, I got to ask, because I always enjoy doing this. Uh, one of my favorite things to do is I'll be hanging out with friends until 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, especially on the weekends. I'll come back and watch some Pac-12 after dark or whatever. Now, heck, it might be Big Ten here soon, but there's a few late-night games tonight. What do you guys think you'll uh, turn on as you fall asleep tonight out of the four games late? Fresno State, Cal Poly. Fresno State, in my opinion, is going to be one of the best group of five teams this year. I think them and Houston are the two uh, best group of five teams to keep an eye on this year. Um, Fresno, uh, last year they were known early on in the season to have a very competitive game against Oregon week one. Um, and then Oregon turned around and then beat Ohio State at the shoe. Uh, but as I'm falling asleep tonight, I think I'm going to turn on that Fresno State game. Yeah, it's not too late, but uh, the Penn State-Purdue game could be going until, like, midnight. So I, I think that'll be my, like, late-night action. Nothing nothing too late stands out to me. Roth, you're showing your age, man. Yeah, yeah I was just <laughs> that's the old man pick right there. Yeah, I, I, I think I'll go. I'm not sure if I have the Pac-12 network anymore, but if I do, Northern Arizona, the Lumberjacks, taking on Arizona State. That'll be my late-night game that I will watch. And that'll wrap up the sports fan for today. For Cade Williamson and Michael Roth, I'm Carl Blaylock. Talk to you next week.